commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From Starlight Beacon, I'm Greg Skondak, and you're listening to Core World News, your holiday news show of in-depth coverage of the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now for your new second rundown for January 22nd, 2021. Introducing our new High Republic segment, Starlight Beacon Bulletin. But first, the news. All right. Thank you very much, Grex. Yeah. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for joining us tonight for another edition of Core World News. In the news this week, uh, we heard a little rumbling uh, and a rumor that uh, Alan Tudyk will not be appearing in at least the beginning of the Cassian Andor live action series. Um what did you two think yeah. about this? I have the uh, direct quote, if we'd like it. Uh, he was speaking to Collider, where he said, they're shooting it right now. I'm not in it. But if it stays on the air, stories keep getting told. I'll end up in there. That's the quote. I, that sounds I mean, pretty definitive. Is there a, chance, is there a chance we could see him in the final episode? Quite possibly. I mean, do we think he's operating as a security droid for the Empire currently, like during the series? And then uh, Cassian will eventually, you know, stumble upon him somewhere during a mission. I would hope for that. Yeah. Uh, it sounded more like season two to me, but I mean, I, I hope and pray that would be a great ending to the season. Um, Alan Tudyk. would be a great cliff cliffhanger, right? If it's if it's K2, but he's, you know, he's still operating for the, the Imperials. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Actually, it'd be kind of funny if Cassian Andor gets captured by K2SO or something. And um, yeah, so we get to see mean K uh, K2SO, which would have been kind of fun to see for a while or play with. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah, I'm weirdly shocked by this. Not shocked. That might be overstating, but a little surprised by it because um, they sold it. Even the last, you know, last time we saw Kathleen Kennedy talking about Andor, I guess it wasn't during the during the the investors meeting. But prior to that, you know, they came out and said that he was there. He's in it like, you know, yeah. which I guess technically is is I, I guess you didn't come out and say he is 100 percent in season, season one. Right. Um, at the same time, as much as he's not in it, he's not going to be. I don't think they're going to use him on set. They're just going to use him for voice. So there's still right. a chance they might call right. him next week and be like, no, no, Alan, you're in it. I know we haven't talked to you, but we just need you in a studio for a day and a half. We figured we'd work that out in like three months. Well, they actually, they used him in a mocap suit in yeah. Rogue One. Um, I just don't think they're going to do that in this for some reason, but. I Yeah, I mean, okay. Um, I would hope they would. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching uh, Doom Patrol now. It's on HBO. Yeah. And, um, Alan Tudyk plays the villain and the narrator. Yes. I mean, he is a treasure, like just a treasure. Like, I, yeah. I don't know what it is about him that just like steals every scene and everything he's in. He's yeah. a, like a comedic force. Yeah. Uh, like charming comedic force. One of the most yeah. brilliant actors I've ever seen on screen. And then he, his voice works incredible. Um, who's to say he's not voicing other uh, security droids, though? Don't the other oh. Imperial security droids uh. share that same voice? Isn't yeah. this just a way around? That know, could be it's tricky. He's not a part of this. K two is not may not be in the story yet, but you know K two, you know S three could be in it or something. Whatever. That's right. a good point. This is also this is also the same company that had Ewan McGregor saying he's not playing Obi Wan Kenobi again for how many years while they're trying to work this out. <laughs> right, right. 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 Like, well, let's take under contract. This for a grain of salt. 
the other thing is this the season is 12 episodes long so it, it's a long yeah. season so i don't think they're shooting all 12 episodes like because grant you're right so if they're gonna save him for the tail end of the season or he was in the season finale he might not they might not have you know set everything yeah. up yet there's still probably working on those scripts and working on setting that shooting up right they just started this month right so mm-hmm. cool um, so well, there's well, still hope. No, they are shooting in uh, in Pinewood, I believe. So they are, and I've been told that the budget and the scale of the production is similar to the the films, the saga films. So um, I think there's a bigger plot going on. I think us just you know laser being laser focused on K two might not be where we should be looking. I think we should look more at where Cassian's journey is going because like right. that's going to be a big story. That's going to be huge. Absolutely. Be Let's not shortchange Diego Luna. I mean, he's no. Awesome treasure like he's fantastic and i think it makes sense to at least spend give him give the guy a season to just sort of shine um i have no idea you know all we know about this thing you know we saw a little bit in that uh preview festival for you know that that they have they just have massive sets they have like feature film sets built for this there's so much practical stuff um and which sounds great but i have like I've really no idea what the story is going to be like. No. Even we know it'll be the rebellion, you know, yeah. the sort of, you know, birthplace of the rebellion. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be great, but uh, we might not see the comedic force. You know, it makes well, sense. He, to sort I of mean, he it. hails from a separatist background, right? Where he was, he was sided with this, the separatists against the clones, right? When he was a child. So Cassian. Right? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that. That's fascinating. That's utterly yeah. fascinating. I feel like so they might really dive into that in a big way. In this, I feel like it would have been he would have been fighting the separatists because he didn't he say he joined when he was six in the movie, like six years old. Right, but the separatists like so that's this is always the thing that's confusing about the prequel trilogy, right? Because the clone army turns into the empire, so would that make the separatists become? <laughs> The rebels, right. right? Like there is no rebel right. force prior to that. So you could see him justifying being part of separatists as fighting right. the clones, right? I, it's really that that's always He's like fighting the mind. military industrial complex, right? Yeah. It's like right. as it evolves. Yeah. It's like here, here it is in this form, and here's the next iteration. And right. Constantly trying to because it's just it's it's unlimited power, right? It's too much power. I don't think anyone should have a military yeah. force of, of such yeah. staggering power and strength. And it'll and, be telling when we know exactly how far back they go um, as far as how many seasons. So, are yeah. So what I keep seeing touted, and I don't know the source on this, but if it's, it's on the Wikipedia page for this. Not that that and as they tell all my students, Wikipedia is not a source. Um, but generally, if they say it multiple times, it means it comes from somewhere that it seems to suggest it takes place five years before the events of Rogue One. So if that's true. You have easily a five season arc that you could tell with this series, right? Like you could easily. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it'd be great. Um, in uh, other news, um, some video game news uh, that I randomly stumbled upon um, when I fell for some clickbait. Um there was a rumor like, what could we see in Battlefront 3? Um, as people know, I play a lot of Battlefront 2 and a lot of Battlefront in this new reboot uh, by EA when they were purchased uh, by uh, Disney. Um, we now know that 
um, Lucasfilm Games is now the video game arm of uh, Lucasfilm. And uh, there will be multiple game developers. But EA is making a new game and there are rumors and they seem to be a little more than rumors because the actors, two of the actors, uh, Gianna Avancar and um, what is uh, Anthony Scordy, I believe. So um, her love interest in that first game um, were both both had Instagram photos of them in their mocap suits, like hmm. their mocap suits. Um, and they sort of like gave a wink and nod, like too bad. We can't talk about this, but, um, that would make sense that maybe there's a battlefront three and maybe there'll be a new story mode in there, um, with those characters. Um, Grant, you've been pushing for battlefront three. You talked about this, like it was a foregone conclusion for years. I was more skeptical. What do you, um, what would you expect from a battlefront three? Uh, I feel like they, they really haven't matched some of the gameplay uh, some of the gameplay experiences you could have had in the 2005 battlefront games wherein there's unrestricted sort of flight mechanics vehicle driving mechanics where vehicles can drive all over the map um a, a, a clone gunship can basically fly anywhere even land and you can pick people up and drop them other places like unrestricted vehicle and transportation mechanics that were kind of not in i feel i feel battlefront because I think you could fly, but I don't think you could get too close to the ground or you just blow up or something. It was just, it didn't feel like you could go anywhere with a vehicle in those games. And I feel like the truth, because like one of my favorite moments from 2005 Battlefront was uh, uh, my buddy was flying a clone gunship and I was in one of those spires on Geonosis and uh, I jumped out the hole in the side of the spire and pressed A to get into the gunship at the right time as it was flying by and I got in and yeah. I lived and it was just a spectacular moment that I haven't had in the most recent <laughs> yeah. battlefronts because it's yeah. not the verticality is not there either. I don't feel like you can get very high in those games. It feels very like there's maybe two, two, two kind of layers of gameplay where it's like you're on the ground or you're maybe on a, another level, and then that's about it. And it doesn't really, there's not a lot of verticality. I feel like uh, Mazda's castle. I guess you can get up pretty high there. But yeah, know. yeah, and these sort of things. But again, yeah, you sort of tumble out. What about um, you, Adam? Any sort of gameplay thing you're hoping for, or anything you'd want to see in this? Um, I don't want to be a, you know, Scrooge about it, but, um, no, hey, Scrooge. <laughs> this is I, you know me, this is, play. so here's the thing. I, I think Battlefront 2 looks great. It's just not my game style. Right. So there's not okay. a lot they could do. I'm trying to think like, so I'm trying to think like, what could they do to pull me in? Right. But I'm also not the audience you want to be shooting for, but I, you know, everything, you know, Grant said, I definitely would support. I, I would love the idea of more vehicles being able actually, maybe that's what you would do. Right. Maybe like because one of the things I do like in Battlefront 2 is that you can get into vehicles. It's not as integrated as well. And you can fly around above the action, but it doesn't feel like it means much of anything. Right. Like it's just like, oh, I'm tooling around in a machine. So like maybe somehow connect the space battles and the ground battles in a meaningful way, an integrated way that you can play. And I'm not quite sure how to do that, but maybe have like maybe have something happening on the ground connect with space battles so that like i you know you ben you love being on the ground you love working a blaster i love working a ship maybe you're sabotaging um maybe your goal down there is to sabotage the uh you know the shield generator right right and i meanwhile just trying to survive while waiting for my ground forces to do that right so that like you and i aren't playing together but our actions are affecting each other's 
Yeah, jumped. maybe there's an objective or something that yeah. people in ships are facing. I think also 2005 Battlefront had, um, I think sometimes you had to fly to your objective. And so like yeah. you would have to like get into your X-Wing, fly from your, or, you know, act as, you know, attack craft and fly into the hangar of the oh, enemy that's right, ship that's right. and land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was yeah, incredible. That and was, you could yeah. always just go back into your, you know, your um, starfighter uh, whenever you wanted to. Right. Um, and they actually, they had uh, some really cool things in Battlefront, the first 2015 Battlefront, um, especially for the um, Scarif map, uh, where you started in in fighter pallets, uh, in starfighters, and you had to do a run and escort a, a U-wing through the gate before it closed, mm. um, and that was actually a really that made that that um, map really fun because you had to sort of clear it, and sometimes you didn't, and then you, you had to earn the right to do the ground battle. Um, so there could be some of that. Um, the most surprising thing to me about this announcement is that that those actors were coming back because this single player story mode. I don't know if you guys played it the whole way through yeah. yeah um but and they even had an additional map that launched sort of later on they're into the sequel trilogy era um at the end of the single player like well into the single like the you know well into sequel trilogy movie era by the time um at the end of this you know battlefront 2 ended mm. so if they're coming back it's either going to be like a prequel version of them or they're, I mean, it's going to be a sequel trilogy thing. I, I just find it hard to believe that they're just going to do the Skywalker saga again. You know, they're either going to focus more on a single era or maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll do the Mandalorian era or something. Um, right. My, my wish as far as gameplay goes would be that um, they marshaled the, um, the heroes better so that there was no more um, cross era heroes. Um, yeah. I really wish they would change that now in galactic assault. They spent so much time and made these beautiful, fun, interactive maps that were dynamic and changed. Um, but, but then just allowed random heroes to sort of be floating around there. And it's just like, okay, I got killed by Anakin Skywalker again, but this time it's in like, you know, Takadana. Great. Um, what if they did clone wars in depth? like where you get to customize your clone armor fully, like all your insignias, everything like that. Maybe there's a campaign that features like Republic commandos, basically like we got the Republic commando game way back, do something yeah. like that again, but then do all the Jedi that were involved with that. Right. That was a, that was the fall of the Jedi order. That's such right. an important event in history. And then do all of the planets that there were battles on, even the outer rim sieges, do the outer rim sieges, show the mid rim sieges, show all the areas of the, the, um, the, uh, theaters of war right the theaters of war during the clone wars right, right? each right. little patch of the galaxy right. and what's going on there really go in depth that's a game i would love to play i would love to yeah play i would do that too i would love it so it's like okay you're on my guido and you're kiati mundi and then kiati mundi's padawan or something like you know like introduce a new character but it's like you didn't see before yeah um and i will say like just looking at the internet's it seems like Clone Wars was the most popular mode. And even now in Battlefront 2, it's really hard to get a game in the sequel era, um, it, which is too bad because they're really fun maps and I like it a lot. Um, so I'm yeah. always thrilled when I get a sequel era map. But um, yeah, um, but it would be cool if. Yeah, so there's a lot of desire for that. But they, they I will say that's the era they did the most work on in Battlefront 2 was the Clone Wars era because there was so much desire for that. 
And there is a but fair then amount bring of all those actors, but you could bring all right. the, uh, the voice actors back from the Battlefront games and right. just have them maybe voice like alien, like kings and queens or something like that. You know, like weird yeah. characters that are involved in the Clone Wars, yeah. you know, that are like just new characters, like do something new, do something different. Like, why not? And then I'm just saying you could you could definitely use the same talented people. Um, yeah. Well, either way, um, it's excited. Uh, more games uh, is better for. For everyone, I think uh, we're yeah. excited, and um, it is. I mean, I still play that uh, Battlefront two all the time, so uh, I'd be excited for another title there. Um, and so, I don't know, fascinating stuff. Um, let's get back into the High Republic, shall we? Yes, please. All right, um, with pure glee. We're about to get into um, this brand new segment on the High Republic. We did cover um, Light of the Jedi um, last week by Charles Sewell, uh, which was fantastic and super fun. But we've got uh, three more entries we're going to talk about in the High Republic this week. Um, we're going to start off with Justina Ireland's A Test of Courage, um, a uh, young reader novel. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, the first... Uh, Marvel comic uh, written by Kevin Scott um, titled The High Republic, um, episode one or issue one. And then we're also going to uh, go into Star Wars Insider 199 short story by Charles Sewell. Starlight part one, go together. Starlight part one, go together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Uh, and this is that's sort of picking up an old uh Tradition, yeah. right? Of, yeah. of articles and inserts, uh, yeah. you know, during Short certain story, you yeah. know, publishing yeah. initiatives or movies or trilogies or a series yeah. of films, you know, like they would also release articles in like Wizard Magazine, you know, when, when I, you know, way back and things like that. Like, I don't know. And then also um, Star Wars Insider uh, is, is now again publishing articles for this initiative, which is right. So they cool. used to do it a long time ago and now they're picking it up again. Um, yeah. which is always kind of fun um, for the nostalgia beasts out there. All right, let's start off with uh, Test of Courage. Um, shorter book, um, but I, for me, no less compelling than Light of the Jedi, which was like an adult novel, quote unquote. Uh, what do you, um, what'd you guys think of this book? First blush. I, I adore this book. I uh, I love this book. It's um it's such a fun adventure. Uh, it it was exciting and felt fresh. And it actually I, the ensemble, the kind of young characters that were introduced to, and the exploration of these kind of these a fledgling Jedi with a more experienced Jedi and, and young Jedi interacting. Like it it's, it shows you what you know future Star Wars stories on the big screen can be, which is I think you know, younger Jedi figuring out their, their lives together in, in, in something, you know, uh, which, is, which is really interesting with the Vanestra and the Imri relationship, which uh, I loved in this book. But uh, great distillations of the Jedi code, um, light side etiquette, like how to, like just beautiful descriptions of the Force in this book. Um, I thought it was on par just as good as Light of the Jedi. Like I love this book. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, agreed. I, you know, I read this last week and I kept trying not to talk about it during last week's <laughs> episode, but couldn't help myself. I, I slipped a couple of things in there. And, you know, I read the Harry Potters when I was a 
you know, adult. I got into the Harry Potters when I was an adult and I read it. And I have to always remind myself that like young adult novels doesn't mean that they're, you know, just for kids, right? It's just a certain type of reading. It means you can engage with it, but the emotional depth is still there. And in yeah. some ways, I would even argue maybe a little deeper than some of the adult novels because like Charles Sewell had to tell a a a 350 page book a story sweeping epic. exactly with <laughs> with like 30 characters right and so you're jumping from here to there and he does it deftly like you I that I could follow completely yeah but Justina Ireland writing this book really tells a stra- a story of you know five six characters stranded together and so you get these character moments, a lot more like emotional development through these characters and interactions. Very so, intimate. Encounter. Yeah, very intimate. Yeah. So I really, really enjoyed it for the characters. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, we should probably get into the ensemble first because I adore ensemble dynamics. But yeah, yeah I mean, just to echo what you guys are saying, I it, I mean, it, it no less compelling. And it wasn't it didn't feel targeted at teenagers and preteens, even though that's essentially, you know, the age range was like what, like. 10 to 15, I think, were the ages yeah. of characters. But the issues, you know, the deals, that they, the issues they were dealing with um, really work for all people. And they really, like Grant said, very a ton of insight about the nature of the Force um, and, and how the characters, the Jedi, interact with that in this new era that we're, we're just, you know, being introduced and, to. And surprisingly dark. Uh, yeah, I thought the tragedy, yeah. the tragedy that all these characters oh. were witness to was devastating. Uh, it was, and bar none, one of the most interesting kind of action beats I've ever you know, kind of read about in a Star Wars story. It was a really cool moment. I, I thought it was fascinating. Um, and the Nile, they just, they just, they seem to just bring the terror in everything that they're in. So any any story in the High Republic is going to have equal parts, you know, hope and 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 dread and. And I love what the Nile represent. They really are. They they are working. They are a strong threat. So I I, I do applaud that with the High Republic. I do think the Nile are quite strong as a threat. So I'm excited to see more from them. And I love how we're just kind of they're kind of um, dragging us along and 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 pulling us deeper and deeper into the world of the Nile, but but slowly. And we're meeting these new characters um, towards the end of these books, which we'll talk yeah. about. Which is. But I'm, I'm, it's so exciting that we're just unraveling the mystery of the Nile very slowly. And hopefully through, you know, phase one, two and three, we'll eventually get to this culminating end point with the Nile that's going to feel very cathartic. But um, I love what I love the storytelling uh, and the synergy going on. Yeah. Yeah, I really what do we. So first of all, I'm going to throw up a spoiler wall here. We haven't done much then, but now we're, we're going to be talking about the book and what happens. So um, I kind of want to start with the Nile, actually. Um, yeah, it's a good place to start. I, and because I'm very interested, you know, like Star Wars draws from life on Earth, right? And things that we know. And I'm really interested on sort of what tact they'd take with that. And I'm, by the end of the book, I'm feeling like it's pure terrorist. Like I, yeah. there's some serious 9-11 vibes as far as their, the mission of the Nile. Like we don't know That's, after these books, yeah. we, we know they have a new plan, right? Like after this first wave, but we don't know what that plan is. Um, but... I mean, it does seem like it's looking for chaos. It's like through chaos and fear, we will disrupt this flow, you know, the, the whole flow of the galaxy. And um, it's pretty interesting. Cool. Yeah. And I think it's and interesting. It's, they're, is... they're, they're take take life versus yeah. protect life. Yeah, I think that's 
that's what's really disturbing about this threat, especially in the beginning when they say the last thing we want from this this sabotage is survivors or something. It's really dark. You're like, yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're just doing it to make a statement, right? To to just show. And I think they say here, like the Nile needed to let the Republic know they were not welcome in this part of the galaxy. Not now, not ever. The Republic was bad for business, right? Like that's that's really what's fascinating is that the Nile. I think Sewell did this really well in in um, Lay of the Jedi. Was just like, and I talked a bit about this last week, I think, but basically suggests that the higher up in the Nile know that they are. They're doing all this for economic reasons, right? They're pirates. Yes, yeah. They want they're pirates. Yeah, they're pirates. By the end of that novel, they have sold to the people underneath them the belief in an ethos, right? That like yeah. it's less about money and it's more about. So that's where I think Ben, you're right. They shift from being pirates to terrorists by the end of that novel, and we're seeing the culmination of that in this book as well, right? We're seeing that what what that means for them, what the Nile, what it means for the Nile after. You know, or concurrently with the events of the Lay of the Jedi. Right. I do think, though, that the so there's there's a terrorist action. They blow up a ship um, that was headed for uh, Starlight Beacon um, with a with a delegation. But um, I, I think it was supposed to be a clandestine mission. I think they wanted to kill everyone because they didn't want people to know it was the Nile. They just wanted to sort of disrupt the lane, keep mm. them, you know, so to keep the republic occupation out of that area for a while if they knew things were blowing up and it wasn't safe you know it wasn't that i mean but under the the force you know touch as they call it um they you know they spilled the beans in like nile forever and then and then you know took they they were able to unravel that plot Um, yeah we really for most of the book we only have two nile uh characters a human female and an (laughs) aquilish male um, and I'm trying to dig up their names right You're now. Gwishy? Are we talking about Gwishy right now? Gwishy, yeah. Gwishy would Gwishy, be the awkward Gwishy gets, Gwishy gets described three times from three different points of view, and it, each one, each description of Gwishy is uh, better than the next. That's all yeah. I'll say. <laughs> and uh, Clint, Clint, uh, Clinith, yeah, Clinith Da, I think Clinith is the other da. one. Clinith, yeah. Cl- Clinith. Clement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Both uh, fabulous names. Um, and so they sort of set off this uh, terrible um, bombing of this cruiser, this luxury cruiser. It's called the Steady Wing, is what yes. you have to name this, this cruiser. And it's got like three decks and gardens and a massive kind of dining chamber to sit yeah. like. It, was it 300 or 3,000? I don't even know. I don't remember. Oh, 3,000, I think. And it and was, I think it was a, a lot of. Yeah, it was like a luxury Disney cruise. Yeah, sort of. It's <laughs> really funny. When I first started reading, I'm like, oh, we're going to get Titanic in space. Oh, no, wait, they already blew it up. Like, like, <laughs> like I thought that's what this story was going for. And then like, no, it went an entirely different direction. I actually was thinking um, they might use this design or talk about the design uh, from this book. Uh in the ones that they use at the new uh, as they expand the Disney parks and they oh have yeah the hotel the interactive hotel thing yeah that's yeah. sort of what I was feeling because um, it is a little little Disneyfied felt like you know the sure. way they talked about it it was like a Disney experience yeah uh, in in the galaxy far far away um, but yeah so it it blows up uh, we we lose a Jedi Master and the father of one of these main characters. Um, Jedi Master, Master Douglas, Douglas Sunvale. <laughs> yeah, Douglas. 
Dougie Sunvale. Whom I had to like research after the after reading the book and be and just understand who he was. But there's not a lot of information on on the on the internet interwebs. But uh, last name Sunvale, which I don't remember seeing in the book. Mm. But he was mostly uh, just like Doug, like Doug, Douglas, like yeah. Master Douglas. But they just, Douglas, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's just called Master Douglas throughout. It's a pretty bold, bold choice to go straight yeah. up. Like, <laughs> Like human I don't, it, out of all, all the, right. the basic human names, Douglas is pretty Jedi. I have to say, it's yeah. like, okay. I also I I'll see read it. It you. A, I'll see oh. your Douglas Sunvale and raise you a Tobias Beckett. Well, so that's yeah. what I was thinking. I thought I know you have uh, issue with Tobias Beckett, but I, I thought Douglas uh, was was even more so. But I, I just thought it was interesting because I felt like he's essentially like. Santa Jedi, like he sounds like sort of, you know, maybe a, a, a girthy man um, that like, you know, he's he's a little soft. He's, he's actually thing. he's actually labeled a marshal, like one of those marshal Jedi on the frontier, like how they uh, were talking okay. about oh, the yeah. High Republic is about a new frontier of expansion into the, the outer rim. And there's now Jedi who are like marshals of outposts, you know, all these different places. Yeah. But uh, uh, he he is actually like he's described as a marshal, like one of these marshals on an outpost world on on he. Haley. It's a tough name. Haley. Is it Haley? Haley's? No, Hetz. Haley. it's not Hetzel. was the other one. Outpost. Outpost Haley. Yeah. Haley. Haley. Marshall of yeah. Outpost Haley. Yeah. Haley. But he's a yeah. jovial dude. He seems to have really taken to his, you know, um, ambassadorial, like, um, uh, role, ambassadorial role. Ugh, guys, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna get this whole talking thing sooner or later. Um, <laughs> it's never too but, late. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a really fascinating character, and then he's dead. Yeah. Um, and this is he that's is funny. the that's a crazy scene. Yeah, it's a wild scene. He's like, just go, like, get out of here, save yourselves. Like, just being has a, a hero's death. Um, and but his uh, Padawan Imri, uh, who is a white humanoid male, um survives and yeah. we get our our cadre sort of shuffled off in a maintenance a dilapidated maintenance cruiser um kenneth and gwishy did their best to sabotage all the escape pods and all the the ships and, on and, the uh, uh, on there but the a story is uh vanestra Rowe, who is a right. like six, well, the youngest jedi knight in the history of the jedi uh, she's yeah 16 year old jedi knight she wields a purple lightsaber. She's an incredible duelist. She's one of those really compelling Jedi that kind of taps into the dark side of the Force as well as the light side of the Force. Um, uh, she's, I mean, she does some incredible things. We'll get to kind of like the second spoiler wall and what she kind of does towards the end of this book. Yeah. That's incredible. But um, really cool character. And she's doing her, she's on her first assignment from the Jedi Council to protect a senator's daughter who is, I think, probably my favorite character in the book, who is uh, Avon Staros. Yeah. Um, yes, and she's absolutely. The, she, she, she's this uh, genius inventor, um, kind of science science scholar uh, character who, you know, just loves talking about Karelian theoretical proofs and <laughs> has a drug. Yeah. It's awesome. I love that character. I love that character, too. Has trouble like interacting with others right like having to remind yourself yeah. like how to interact with others and then 
being raised for all intents and purposes by her protocol jo- droid J6. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, J6, which is fantastic. So yeah, I was Standout trying character, to sort of, J6. Yeah. Yes. I was trying to just let's like we were essentially sprinted through the first act, which I wanted to do. And in the sec- second act, we have our core cadre go get stranded on this moon um called Renrau. Weebo. Weebo. Weebo, thank you. Yeah. And um and yeah, so uh, you you already mentioned the first two characters, two and a half. Um, yeah, the third character is J six, which actually in my mind, you you can see a picture of her on the cover art, um, which is very cool. But she reminded me of the uh, protocol droid from Spaceballs. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know that that's sort of like was it, but she's um, been reprogrammed by Avon, um, who is precocious to say the least. Um, and so essentially she gave her droid free will. She was like, oh, let's see how that works out. Just like absolutely like allowed this, uh, enabled this droid to learn for itself and have free will and like and do its own thing. And you right. really it's tense because you yeah. don't know which way that's going to go. And the droid really starts to create its own personality and become very independent as the book goes along. And it's a really great. I have I have a head take on droids. theory about that. I have a theory about that. I, yeah, let's I think, I think right, Avon may yours. have did that. I think I think Avon may have did that because I think the droid is actually programmed by her parents or specifically her mother. And like she just doesn't want it to uh, have, you know, uh, be so controlling or, or be managed, you know, be so yeah. come come at her like an advisor. You know, she she wants to have some independence from the droid so maybe she right. played with the programming and and let it uh, and programmed it to be unscripted right so it learns whatever it wants to learn instead of being you know programmed by any sort of master or whatever uh, it does appear uh, that avon has operator. a operator right she avon's a little resistant to authority we'll say um, um yeah yeah can i and this might be a little early on but i have some tinfoil hat around avon <laughs> okay yeah she's so a little, she scares me she's obsessed with kyber crystals yeah right right I, and she, it seems to be that no one outside of the jedi order has really spent much time studying kyber crystals yeah i think avon's somewhat indirectly or directly responsible for the death star i have that written in my notes as well ah yay <laughs> well not yeah. yay yay <laughs> yeah but yeah no I, I had the same thought it's there's a real there's these really dark undercurrents yeah. of what both Avon and J six Avon yeah. seems to be innocent, but she seems, I mean, she's actually very much like, um, Galen Urso in a certain yeah. way where he's like, right. so super focused, so super technical and super logical that he misses the large picture and the full ramifications for the science that he's dabbling in. And it may be that we see Avon Staros's technology um, lead to some of yeah. Galen Erso and Director Krennic's work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, you you can feel that in like the book as it's going along. Constant, like, like Kyber crystal weapons technology, like concentrated beam. Yeah. Yeah. Device of some kind. yeah. We did see what. Remember in the um, Doctor Afra, um, one of the Doctor Afra books. There was a sniper rifle that like shot lightsabers, right? Yeah, the, the <laughs> like gun that shoots technology. lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. So, and then if, if you pair Avon with the the path engine technology, maybe you get 
the birth of the of the Death Star. Star Killer. Yeah. Right, because Star Killer used Star Killer, hyperlanes. Right, yeah. right hyperlanes. Right, it, did, right? it all connects, guys. Yeah, and uh, obviously Staros, the uh, surname of Avon, uh, probably has some relation to uh, Sonic yeah. Staros. According right. to Wikipedia, it definitely does. It's, they're all part of the same clan, so... Yeah. Um, so they're, they're from Hosnian Prime, I believe. Yes, they are. Right? Yeah. Which would be ironic if it did lead to Starkiller because, um, because yeah, that, so, so many layers, so Hosnian many layers. Prime. We yeah. got to do it upon layers upon layers. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot going on there. Um, really amazing work by Justina Ireland here. Um, probably going to say that a couple times. Um, and then so we have two other characters. We have uh, Honesty. Yep. Right. Um, who is a, a, a young civilian male uh, on his way to the um, military medical corps. Um, so he's going to be a fighter, um, but he wanted to be a medic within the fighter unit. Very specific for like a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old. Um, but that's what he wants to do. And so he's fighting for his place in there. Um, and we did mention Imri. And so Imri and Honesty both have a connection in that yeah uh, honesty's father was killed uh in the the explosion of the steady wing and um Imri's master uh douglas uh was killed as well so there is some serious dealing with grief in this book in a yeah. really natural yeah. normal way um that's like really real life you know attention and it um and yeah it it became a foundation of the story, which is what it yes. what it's like if you you know lose someone that close to you. Um, it wouldn't just be something that you would that, shrug off. Those weren't know? the only losses. Ben, was this a tough book for you when um, <laughs> when Cheery yes. gets loose? And all right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. was this tough yeah. for you? <laughs> you know what? I hate monkeys. That was rough. I don't know. There was another great funny. loss in this book. Yeah. yeah. I, I do. The only animals I don't love are lobsters and uh, monkeys. They both kind of scare me a little bit. I don't know why. Um, but this, so they they do find these creatures uh, that are monkey like, but like with eight arms, which is even more terrorized. But they they, they have a very heartwarming. You can scene. rip off your face and in yeah. yeah. seven times as fast. Yeah. yeah don't yeah. Th- don't think I don't think monkeys are cute and they're they're born killers and they will throw their feces at you. There's nothing cute about monkeys. Um, but they look like you and they're smarter than you. And yeah, I, I deeply fear monkeys. Um, <laughs> and so these are space monkeys that, you know, can survive acid attacks or whatever. So, you know, I mean, I know. yeah, if you think that's acid rain twice a day, no big deal. NBD. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but, but yeah, do, that was that was hard. That was tough. It was. But the connection between Ozzy and Emery, as you mentioned, is just I, I loved it from the jump and you would kind of forget about it and then it would come back around and it kept coming back around and building and building and building and building in a way like, like Ben, you said it's very true to life. Like it was a very honest way to deal with grief. And then they turned it into a star Wars way to deal with grief. It's such, and we'll get there and I won't ruin it now, but it's such a beautiful way where I'm just like, Oh, this totally makes sense. You like second starts happening. Like, Oh, I should have seen this coming a mile away. Right. These two people, one of them, a force user dealing with grief. Well, it's right. like there's shock, and then yeah. there's grief, and grief is a slow build to mm-hmm. what can be anger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, there was just so much. I, I you know, they 
you know, and yet there was these undercurrents. There's a lot of mindfulness in this. Like these characters are very yeah. mindful. And it led me to believe, like, I mean, I, I started reading relatively later in life. I would say mid to late high school. I really started furiously reading. But I was like, man, I wish I had books like this to, that, that would teach me stuff that my teachers didn't. Um, but it, it's it's a lot of really good ways to think about, you know, themselves and like people understanding how they're feeling, why they're feeling, what they're feeling. But still, they're not, you know, impervious to succumbing to their emotions. Right. Um, yeah. And even so I have I have one little line here and this is them when they're escaping. Avon is at the helm. And um, and this is just like a little sample of how like visceral this book is and how much you feel it. It's not just this pithy like and then lightsaber swung their sword, you know, you know, Jedi swung their swords and saved the day. Like it's not that at all. And it's just it's two sentences. Avon. So she Avon is piloting the ship out of the debris field of the explosion. Yeah. Avon tried not to look. Uh, at the debris too closely. She's afraid if she did, the random bits of trash would resolve into people and recognizable things. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know that one, that just kind of slayed why. me. And I was like, you yeah. like I was, suddenly I was in there. I was panicked and like, I could see that I could be like, like, Nope, I'm sorry. My psyche cannot handle seeing like dead. Yeah. No, bouncing off. like that's the line that I'm crossing mentally and I cannot cross that. And I'm just not going to focus my eyes. If that's what it means I have to do. It, that's the moment I had that same thing highlighted. That's the moment where the book got real for me, right? Where it's just like, oh boy, like yeah, yeah these people lost their their parents, terrifying. and yeah. we're gonna deal with this, right? Like it's not gonna be like, oh, they didn't actually die; they were on an escape thing. I'm like, nope, their parent, their their fathers are dead, basically. Yeah, and more on the grief thing. Um, the other really healthy thing that both honesty and Emery ended up doing was they started to hear the voices of their father and master respectively and things that they would say. And like, that was how they held on to them was sort of like, you know, I'm going to honor their legacy. And as long as I have their memories, I'll keep them alive. And that was, that was like a common thing that kept a uh, theme that kept coming back as well. And that's, you know, they, they took the lessons they learned from those people. And, and I mean, that's how you, you know, honor those that you love the past is you, you keep their legacy alive through action and, and, um, so that was very, that was very cool. And ultimately, I mean, we're going to talk about Imri's character arc, but that's what sort yeah. of brings him to bear. Um, yeah, so we didn't really talk about Imri's character as much. So there's really four humans and two droids. Um, uh, so the fourth, Imri, Imri is, is this, so he's a, he's still a Padawan learner, still has his braid, and he's looking up to this super prodigy Jedi that's, um, uh, Vernestra Rowe and she can do anything like she's she's still learning but she has a grasp on things she's a super powerful Jedi and Imri's like it's even like his lightsaber is like barely strong enough to cut um yeah like that was an interesting detail yeah yeah, yeah. interesting and, and I mean, it's because he was always judged as weak with the force like people yeah. always uh treated him as less than uh all his life except for master douglas who took him in which just makes you care all that more all that much more for, for that kind of sort of father-son bond that they they likely had yeah where you're and like oh he really saw something in emory he really you know really loved this kid or, or you know took him in yeah to teach him and uh yeah. And then he lost him. And then it's just like yeah. you're just in a really dark place after that. Well, yeah, it's probably it's kind of bullied, you know. Yeah, it was. And it probably like imagine he was that. huge. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He was giant. a big, 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 big guy. Big person. I can from relate. High Scythia. High Scythia, yeah. I think the planet is. Yeah. He's from. Yeah. yeah. Good memory. 
But I love the idea. Well, don't love, but it, you know, it's it's an interesting idea of like that loss is not just a loss of a father figure, but also what he perceived as the only person to believe in him, right? Yeah. So, so that yeah. moment, he probably thought he would never be a Jedi Knight. He would never find another person who would think he was capable of actually going through the trials. Yeah. So, yeah. So we have this really interesting cadre. They find out how to survive. They hole up in a cave. They realize they're being, uh, they, they're, they've been pursued by, uh, the two Nile and sort of have to, they have to problem solve to how to stay alive and then ultimately how to, um, deal with the, the Nile, which they quickly realize are the culprits of this explosion. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, spiritual like back and forth there's a lot of um what am i what's the word i'm looking for like right and wrong agonizing yeah yeah no but there's like a just, lot of questions they of right see and them wrong. as the enemy they see them as the enemy immediately and they're right. like we have to it basically turns into it the story they crash land on this moon and then like it's just feels like lost in that it's a very kind of like mysterious environment where they're right. exploring and then when they happen upon the nile they're like just camped out and uh, it feels like an old war movie almost, or it feels like a kind of a um, like a, a microscopic look at war where it's like now they have to like Sun Tzu, Venestro has to figure out how they're going to attack these like these yeah. four Nile. They're like right here and figure out how, what their plan of attack is. And it's really fun in that way, I feel like, because it has like the, the plotting part of it. And then yep. we get into actually, you know, the actual interaction and the fight. And J6 turns out to be like clutch yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like oh okay like this droid is is can do way more than we thought it could um okay yeah. that's that's gonna be huge for fighting right. the nile um, yeah because avon's mom yeah, so, uh, to get her a security droid instead of a yeah. droid, right <laughs> which says a lot about her mother and yeah. the uh and avon right yeah that's a that's a cool yeah because i think they're like her center compartment opens to reveal several blasters um <laughs> and then and then she's like, uh, and then J6 is like, I'm programmed for protection, surveillance, and interdiction, or whatever. And it's just, it's like it's so funny because it sounds like it sounds like she's just turned on this kind of like warrior mode. Uh, it's it's a fun fun moment. Yeah. But again, we get um, we get another little insight into the Jedi and how they look about at conflict. You know, because they they rarely ever have to use their lightsabers and do this, and you know. Vernestra is like we need to capture them and you know and and give them you know real republic justice and uh and you have a, a very angry Imri and honesty that just want to kill them outright and you know honestly for, as you know an american that's you know if i heard them being like yes we just committed that terrorist act and killed all those people and now we're going to kill these kids like I mean, I'd be, uh, you know, in our country, in some states, it's legal to just if someone trespasses on your property and looks like they're attacking you, it's legal to kill them. <laughs> so it's like, uh, well, you I mean, you know, what would you do? But then so you get the contrast with the galaxy and the, the Jedi doctrine and 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 what is truly right and right. and what's the right path. And I really love that they explored that in this. Yeah, they did a good job of being able to see all of their sides, right? Like that you understand, like, like when Vanessa Rowe was talking, I'm like, oh yeah, they totally should just capture them, bring the justice. And then when you would hear honesty and Emory talk about their loss, you're like, oh yeah, just kill them. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just kind of, they did, she did such a, just, you know, I don't know, such a good job of kind of giving those characters their ability to express their points of views. Yes. Um, we, there is a sixth member of their cadre, Mm -hmm. 
I guess the seventh would have been Chimri, right? If we're going to do the the uh, the yeah. cliche, the trope of the seven samurai. Um, poor Chimri didn't last long. Um, but there's a SD seven. They had a uh, Avon yeah. had a scout droid. Um, and another dichotomy that I loved uh, was um, the force versus science. And, yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they they talked about that a little, but you know, Pernestra's like the science and the force are not at odds. Like they're they're like they they work together uh, in perfect yeah. unison, yeah. Um, as opposed to certain religions and science, uh, right? Yeah, that we may or may not be familiar with. Um, so that was pretty the cool. The false uh, dichotomy that's often presented in life. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I loved SD Seven. I was like, I want one of those. Like having a scout droid. Like, come on. Yeah, love it. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm sort of pushing us uh, through this story. No, no, was, you're doing a job. Yeah, I'll take a I'll take a a side trip for a second. Please. So we get some like really fascinating like lore drops in this book, and yes. I have a couple, which is happening around the time. Um, so one thing we haven't really talked about it, but I'll spoil it is that we find that Vanessa Rowe had been tinkering with her lightsaber. Oh, um, I love the lightsaber stuff. And here we go. Yeah. To create a light whip. Right. And yeah. so there's a lot of discussion about this, but, but we'll come back around. Cause I want to talk about the, I um, feel like that's a special, I mean, I want to yeah. feel like that's a shout out to my, uh, my adoration of the dark horse star Wars main run with the Jedi Sith war and Githany specifically. It is. I want to say that, but I, no, is no. it really? It literally is, let me read you a quote. Okay. During the Sith war, the Jedi also used light whips. Vernester said, uh yada 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 have you read the testimonials of serval the uncanny she states that the whip was sometimes used to defend against the sith lords who used the forbidden forms so yes grant they are bringing it back they are recanting isn't named githany is not named named, but still like you're getting really close uh um yeah yeah, they were used by the i have them all if anyone wants a number uh like any of those issues i have them not only the Night Sisters, but the Guardians of Yavin. Oh, yeah. Whatever, whatever those yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, which I desperately want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Please write an entire series about. Yeah. Also, she's like, Have you ever read the testimonies of Serval the Uncanny? Yeah. I was like, Oh, you are so asking for a meme. But okay. yeah. <laughs> Don't make me write fanfic. Right, but um, yes, I do want to read the testimonies of Sir. And I just, I just love the defend against the Sith Lords who use the forbidden forms. Forbidden forms capitalized, by the way. Yeah. Oh man, awesome. Proper. Yeah. Such great lore bombs in this. Yeah, I there was um. Is it was the Jedi Sith War named? Is that war yeah named? yeah yeah it is. Yeah. Yeah, Jedi hyphen the Sith. Sith war, the during the Sith Wars, Sith Wars. So they didn't say Jedi Sith. Sith they said Wars, Sith okay. Wars. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that's the that's kind of the new canoniz- can canonization of the that yeah. same war. Believe right, but that gives life to what you've been hoping for, Grant. As far as maybe some feature films that take place in that era. Yeah, we're all we're all hoping for that. But um, yeah, it'd be great. And and don't do that. I think rewrite the thought the thought bomb. You can rewrite all that. I don't even think you should do that. I I say do do it completely different. Forgot about the thought bomb. Yeah, yeah, I say so too. Yeah, but it'd be great. I want to see that though. I mean, who doesn't want to see 
throngs of, you know, yes. a whole battlefield of Sith versus a whole, we, you know. We can, yeah, exactly. We can all agree that there was a, a war between a, a ton of Sith and a ton of Jedi. There's no reason not to I did like that there was a story. dude named Lord Hoth. I did like that there was a Jedi named Lord yeah, Hoth. Yeah, I, I forgot Hoth, about Lord awesome. Hoth. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was into that. I, um, he can return. They want to have him return in any well, way. I could pick and choose what they want to recanonize. Open arms. Open arms. Right. Um, I also, speaking of lightsabers, um, so Imri's having some technical difficulties with his lightsaber. Um, but so he actually, and, and as he's, he's talking about it and he's thinking through the problem and he's really jealous, but he's like, I need to, you know, how do I, you know, what am I really jealous about? And what's the worry? And I'm like, fix your lightsaber, fix your lightsaber. And he's like, I should fix my lightsaber. And he actually takes it apart. And we know that like Creeper Creepenstein Avon was like all over. She's been having an eye on his lightsaber uh-huh. the whole time. Yeah. And she was yeah. like, can I watch? And he's like, oh, she actually, she's interested in this. That's great. And, um, but he explains the inner workings of a lightsaber, uh, which has probably been done in canon a couple times, maybe in Clone Wars. But, uh, but I just, I, I adored, like I, that was possibly yeah. my favorite part of the book. Yeah. You know, he's talking about like the entire thing is powered by a battery and my kyber crystal focuses focuses uh, focuses the energy, which I think you already know. Um, these are the cycling field energizers. And this right here is the focusing lens. And, you know, like I, that I'm here for that. That's that's what I'm about. So that was that was a really fun. I, I could especially since there's so many designs of lightsabers um, and we're actually I can't wait to talk about the lightsaber in the comic book. Um, but. <laughs> There's there's a lot here uh, about that, and I just can't wait for the these fantastic authors to all delve into the inner workings of lightsabers. Yeah, yeah. Um, righty, right. Um, so yeah, so we, wow. So, I mean, I guess we're we're right here now. So yeah, uh, we have a a Jedi fall temporarily to the dark side. Yeah, we have this very organic. In embrace we you know a, a jedi who's suffered loss um who's feeling powerless and so he taps into his anger and his hate and uh his friend's anger and hate to right. gain the power that he thinks he needs um to overcome his foes and try and and heal um yeah. in a very unhealthy way um this kind was of, fantastic yeah. to it see so good and it makes so, so much sense, right? It's, it's this like perfect storm of events that makes sense why he would fall, right? Losing his master, then being surrounded by someone else who's also grieving the loss of a father figure, right? Being then exposed to someone who is pretty close to his age and is already a Jedi master for a person who already feels lesser than, less than, right? Like it just makes yeah. sense, all those things in combination, why he would fall temporarily and why he was redeemable too, right? Because they spent the entire book demonstrating the kindness and thoughtfulness in Emery, yes. right? Like making him a good person so that his fall makes sense and his redemption also makes sense. Yeah. In fact, this Jedi, his strength is empathy. And, yeah. um, and he's, uh, Vernestra even mentions as powerful as Vernestra is, she mentions that he's much stronger in that suit than she is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's, that's interesting, you know. There's also an interesting parallel with Light of the Jedi, right? And the mm-hmm. idea of, a Jedi's fall being 
just as frightening as the the dark threats that they face in the galaxy, the physical threats, much like the Nile and the Drenger and these other threats. The other major threat, and what I think scares the Jedi, is the dark side that they're all capable of being seduced by, and then yeah, you know, falling under that spell. I think that's a real fear, and I think that's explored so brilliantly in both of these books so far. Yeah. So, uh, and Emery's fall especially is just brilliant in terms of you know lifting Clement, like basically lifting someone and like choking slash crushing like. Clinic, yeah, basically, yeah, right? straight and up then uses a force then, choke, yeah, force yeah. Choke, yeah. <laughs> and then Venestra has no other choice but to grab Imri and toss him with the force, and it's mm-hmm. it's spectacular. It's a yeah. it's a really cool display of the force, and Venestra seems like one of the probably the best duelist combatants they have. Like she mm-hmm. seems very, very, very um, quick, powerful. Um. And, and skilled with a lightsaber. Yeah, true, true hero. Um, yeah, uh, this is fascinating. I'm, I'm stumbling across another uh, quote here that I pulled. So there's a lot about the Force that we talked about, but this was one of those things. So in, in one of the parts, Imri tries to move a boulder, so they get into the cave. Um, but it was he didn't think the whole thing through, and it almost crushed him and Vernestra. But Vernestra at the last second sort of used her Force power to, to deflect it. And it ended up destroying the ship of their enemy, but they didn't know. But the quote was, the force naturally bent, uh, is naturally bent towards justice while in balance. Right. So yeah. we get we get balance again. Um, and, and those pirates would have gotten away with their things if the, that giant rock hadn't destroyed half their ship. So I think I, anything about balance, I always, my ears always perk up a little bit. Um, and so that... Again, it's like you know, when the force is in balance, it's generally there for good. Yes, there are dark things, but it's it, it tends to lean more towards justice um, when it when it is balanced. Ben, I remember that quote, but what I don't remember is is that the narration quote or is that a quote that Renestra is saying out loud? It's definitely in her point of view. Okay, that's all. Because whatever times I get a little I get a little hesitant when it's a narration thing because that's stating the fact of it. When it as part of maybe that's that character's interpretation, right? Of balance, right? My so my other balance quote is a little bit earlier, and it's Imri's sort of his point of view internal monologue, and he's feeling the dark side for the first time, and he says he found the dark side unsettling, not terrifying, because it was required to maintain the balance. Mm. And like any Padawan, he knew the importance of equilibrium and keeping the galaxy moving as it should. So I think balance is gray Jedi for the gray Jedi people. out there. <laughs> but I mean, it's, you know, it's it's light and dark. It's life and death. <laughs> you know, it's terror. I, yeah. and joy, you know. But again, think, that's that's yeah. a pretty bold statement in terms of balance coming from uh, Justina there. I think the interesting thing is I think the more we're learning is that balance is whatever you think balance is. And that's the problem is right. Like, like the Jedi, I deal with this all the time in my, in my field of study, which is we create a term. We don't clearly define what that term is. And we are stuck with that term forever. An example (laughs) of that would be in sociology is the term subculture. It's a really important word. We have 17 different definitions, nothing that's very clear. So I feel like the same thing has happened within the Jedi Order. Is they're like balance is important. What's balance? Ah, we'll figure that out later. And then like every Jedi has their own definition of balance, and then leads yeah. to problem problems. Yeah, and then the the subtlety there, which is something that I personally learned from, is um, 
Vernestra's talking to Emery and she says, we're going to find out why, Emery. And you can be angry, but giving into your rage, letting that yeah. single emotion drive your actions, that is a direct path to the dark right? side. Right? Yeah. That apparently you are allowed to feel anger, according to yeah. that. It's we're all allowed to be angry. Right. right. Yeah. Which yeah. I think, again, we kind of yeah. got... And Vanessa was like, this is no big deal, by the way, at the end of this book. She's like, don't yeah. worry about this yeah. whole thing. I won't tell anyone you tried to force choke that person. No no big deal. Which probably is not the wrong <laughs> answer, right? Because he's not labeled. Yeah. This kid's not labeled as a dark Jedi or whatever. He's just a kid who slipped in extreme circumstances, and he's not yet a master or even a Jedi Knight, so he does some... Or a so man. Or yeah. a man, right? Like, or an adult. And I feel like at the end of the day, you know... This idea, I think we're seeing a bit with this book compared to when we get when we see the Jedi next in the prequel trilogy, is there somewhat more cut and dry, black and white, strict, strict, right? This idea that you can't feel any emotions, you can't feel any attachments, and the, the Jedi yeah. Knights back then were like, no, no, he, anger is a normal humanoid emotion. Well, we I wonder if something it's like how do we how do we express it? How do we deal with it? How do we let it go through us? Right. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if something that occurs during this era makes yeah. the Jedi it's, more stringent, like yeah. something that yeah. occurs with emotions during this time in the High Republic is something that's reflected upon yeah. throughout afterwards. And it caused the Jedi to be Could more it be dealing more. with someone whose last name Jealous. is Great Storm. <laughs> I, actually, I I'm, mean, possibly yes. I, I think, actually, I think I don't know if I'm on the same wavelength with what you're what you're putting down here, Grant. But there's one question we've been we've been toying with for the past couple weeks, and that's what do the Jedi fear? What do these Jedi yeah. fear? And we have we have a scene at the end of this book, and it's it that mirrors the the end of um, Light of the Jedi, where in Light of the Jedi, Elzar Man gets brought to his knees by a vision of chaos and something that that makes him shudder with fear. And the same thing happens to Skier, who was... Who I was, was going to say, yeah, we're going to get another... And, and so, end. like, yeah. what is that thing? And I, uh, since we're talking about it now, Grant, what you were talking about is, like, these, these Jedi are coasting on easy street. Everything's good. There's no conflict. Everything's great. We're expanding. We're progressive. There's nothing big. Terrorist action, fear, divisiveness... Does it lead a ton of Jedi to fall to the dark side? And it not like be Sith, but just fall to the dark side. And Loden Greatstorm, like, is he going to have to actually use dark side, the dark side to free himself? Is it going to lead to other people, you know, other members of the, the order to be like, you know what? We need to use the dark side to get through this. Uh, could there just be like a rash of dark side fallen people? And like, maybe they come back into the fold by the end of the era. But... Is that like is wouldn't that be something the Jedi would would dread? And wouldn't that also lead to a very strict dogmatic view going forward as far as how to limit that from happening? Right. I know yeah. technically well, there's only well, also, been seven the members. Involved. Well, think about this. If I like that idea a lot, I think the, the idea of a lot of Jedi falling is really spectacular. And I, that's a that's a really great spectacle to see. Uh, but given the fall of the Jedi happens like 300 years later. That might be too big of an event in, in, to not have heard about is like a lot of Jedi falling around this time. So what I think could happen is if the relationship I'm, I'm thinking about emotions, right? And I'm thinking about attachment and I'm thinking about 
specifically Elzar Man and Avar Chris or something like that connection. And if that gets any deeper and then one of them tragically falls, falls. yeah, I think you're looking at the other one going dark side full on. I think that's what you're seeing. You're, you, I, that's what might happen. Yeah, I mean, also, and then it's like then the, then the Jedi and the, the the you know during the prequels are like no attachments whatsoever because yeah. we witnessed this yeah. happen. And I'm not saying they leave the order. I'm saying they're just Jedi that wield the dark side. Like they they don't leave, but they just like there's and for like they, a hot they, second they before they get on, taken out, right? It's like it's not like they ever right. fall. Yeah, become or they succeed. Dark Jedi. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or they succeed, they, but they were like, that was wrong. You know, like, okay, they, they make it through get this. Brought back. Like, right. Well, I think they, the Jedi realize how dangerous it is for these people to exist in the galaxy. And so, like, we I, have to address this first before we address any pirates or anything else. So, like, but, this but person who's falling and exhibiting I, this behavior. So, I think maybe we might have, we might have uh, jumped ahead to the end of the third act of this story. Because maybe what we see is that the Jedi win. Right, the Jedi beat the Nile through the use of the dark side. That they sell themselves down the river. They to bring it to since we're talking about nine eleven, right? Since we're bringing it back to to history of the U.S., they do some dark side stuff, right? They they um, they create their version of the Patriot Act. They start an unjust war. In other words, they use the they use the dark side to defeat the Nile. And what they've realized at that moment is that they have betrayed what makes them Jedi. That the entire right. Jedi order has fallen to the dark side for a moment, and they have to pull themselves back. And then they become super strict, right, about about this order because they see. The, and this is what we talked about last week, right? That to me, in the light of the Jedi, there's so much under the surface that is very problematic about the statements they're making. I'm not going to kill them, but if they walk into my lightsaber, it's not my fault type of right. statements, right? Like I'm going right, to just start right. flailing my fliss. And if they walk into it, that's on them. And so part of me wonders if that's what we're getting to is that the entire Jedi order falls for a second and they realize this and they have to pull themselves back over the next 200 years. Yeah. Because they're, I think, I think reading just these two books so far, they're far too passive to deal with what's coming. Also, don't forget that Yoda's on sabbatical. Right. And Yoda's on sabbatical. Which gives Yoda a pass, right? Because we don't want to see Yoda complicit in this. Right. So maybe there's a reason why, from a storytelling perspective, you don't have Yoda being an active member of the Jedi Council right now. Right. Yeah, he's more right, of he's a, coming or... in to clean up and change the, the doctrine, right? So afterwards, or at least yeah. help... Yeah, help nudge it in a different direction, right? If if that's what they do. So, all right. So this is all fascinating. I'm glad we got there. Um, <laughs> yeah. We should uh, we should probably move on to uh, the comic and uh, get yeah. uh, get through this, and then because we have comics to talk about too. Um, just to tie this up, though, I, I had I cried during this book actually. Um, towards the end, um, poor Imri is chastened. Mm-hmm. He's you know, he was defeated by Vernestra and stopped, but he, he came to his senses after, you know, remembering what Master Douglas had taught him. Um, and he's despondent. They, you know, they ultimately capture the the Nile. And I can't wait to see how that goes and how they pull information out of them and what they learn and how they respond. And, and we're introduced to a new new Nile character, I believe, at the very end of the book. Yes, I did not catch her name, but she's the head of the storm that um, Gwishi and... Uh, 
Krennic or Kenicda or whatever um, were a part of. Um, so yeah, so that we you know we've got more antagonists there for the next chapter. Um, but I, I just thought it was really touching um, that Vernestra was sort of trying to figure out deal you know process all these emotions from her adventure, her test of courage, um, and and Skier came to speak with her. And he was the, I mean, he was really, he was the one that told her, you know what, you can't be hard on him. We, if we, you know, if, if we just kicked out every member that felt the dark side ever, there'd be no members, um, and teaches her that lesson. And he suggests that she take Imri as her Padawan. Um, yeah. And, um, she ultimately does. And I think, uh, yeah. yeah, I feel like Skier just, uh, beautifully encapsulates what it is to be a Jedi, uh, in saying, uh, a Jedi must must choose the light over and over again. And I thought that was just that was so perfect because, you know, I I'd heard George in an interview talking about how, you know, being a hero is a choice. You just have to make the right choice and you're going to these choices are going to come, you know, over and over again. And I'm talking about balance and talking about how life is in flux. It's a continuous struggle. It's not just an absolute. It's not. That's why that being absolutist is wrong, because life is in flux and then like it's, yes. uh, you know. Mm-hmm. balance yeah the, the quote was most jedi have felt the temptation of the dark side it is only natural but we resist it it is a deliberate path to the dark not a series of bad days being a jedi yeah. is about choosing the light over and over again as you said so um yeah super touching um but then when imri is uh sorry Vernestra speaks with imri and and tries to tell him that she's serious she says i'm not master douglas but he was right about you we're going to make it. You're going to make an amazing Jedi one day because you are willing to adapt and change. Do you really mean it? Tears stream down the boy's pale cheeks and Vernestra wrapped an arm around his shoulders. And I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When she took him under her wing and she was like, I will train you. I will. Be, I will, you know, get yeah. you through the trials and all that stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, this is. This is perfect. It, what, a, what a perfect ending to this story. Uh, a guy, uh, a Padawan who's lost their master finds a new in um, in uh, this 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 young Jedi Knight who is wise beyond her years. Like it, it, I think there's something to be said about her ideas of the Force, and and she says a few things throughout the story that I think beautifully beautifully encapsulate the kind of uh, the mission, the mo of, of the Jedi, which is you know to to help protect all life apart from themselves, you know? And like, I think she even says that to Emory about his master Douglas, where it's like, do you, do you think my master died in pain? And she's like, I don't, I don't think he died in pain because he was protecting all life around him. And I, I was like, it was, I don't, I don't that's just, yeah. that's not verbatim, but it was, it's something to that effect. And it was so beautiful. And I, I think yeah. Vernestra, I'm, I'm interested to see where she goes next. And I hope Justina Ireland does a follow-up book to this. Really, really hoping that yeah. happens. Or it seems like they're swapping stories. Yeah. Um, so it might be a different author that takes over this this thread, which would be great if they keep doing. They just sort of shuffle storylines and each have a different take on on different characters. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's very unique in that like you have a 16 year old mentoring like a 14 year old, um, which is fascinating. I will push back a little bit on the the wise thing um, that you mentioned, just because I think she's super talented, she's super smart, but she doesn't have a lot of experience. And I I thought it was telling that. The real lesson and the thing that brought her around to become a Padawan was because she was speaking to an actual master who was actually wise. And I wonder if that was intentional or not, if she's really going to have to lean on the lessons of the, of the masters to for a lot of things. 
um, to get that actual wisdom there because, I mean, wisdom comes with age and making a lot of mistakes and she hasn't even had time to make mistakes as a 16 year old. So I'm, I'm yeah. curious to see if that's going to be a dynamic where she has to lean, you know, she does lean on the, the, you know, masters when she can. And when she doesn't, maybe she wins some, maybe she loses some, um, you know, she has a volatile Padawan. We know he's, you know, delicate in a lot of ways, but could ultimately be a, a fantastic Jedi and how, but yeah, like you said, going to be a fascinating uh, relationship to see going forward. Yeah. Um, looking ahead, I think we are going to see her again in a couple of places. Um, she's going to be in Race to Crash Point Tower, uh, which is a junior novel that's coming out in June. And that's by Are you talking Daniel... about Vernestra Rowe or oh. Vernestra Rowe. Sorry. Okay. Um, Daniel Jose Alder. And then we're going to see her again, written by Justina Ireland in Out of the Shadows. Um, but I believe that one is a young adult novel. So I think that one might be kind of the higher level reader, like the, yeah. like the, like similar to the one that, um, level that, uh, Gray's reading. So we're going to get her in a couple of books coming out later this, uh, summer. That's great. All in yeah. phase one. Awesome. Yeah. Um, any more notes on this book before we moved on to the comic? No. I read a lot of what I love. Some foreshadowing of the droid army when Avon, uh, when, uh, <laughs> Even Staros is like, oh, Vanestra can sense everything except for like the droid in my backpack. Like Jedi's can't sense droids, and I was like, oh, they can't sense the <laughs> droid army. <laughs> it was just cool stuff like that. I felt was kind of snuck yeah. in there. Which is... Yeah, I missed that one. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot in this. Um, if you haven't read it, read it. It's it, yeah. Don't be put off at all the fact that it's you know allegedly aimed at younger readers. It's a it like. Like you both said, um, I enjoyed this just as much as uh, Light of the Jedi. Yeah, I agreed. All right, so let's talk about High Republic number one, the comic by Kevin Scott, uh, and Dito, Morales, Leone, uh, Meher, and Noto. Um, so I don't have, you know, under Comic Crystal Comics Corner, I think I got some of that right. Yeah. Um, close enough, right? Good. Moving Most on. of the C's Perfect. and maybe a K, right? 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. 10. I nailed it. Uh, so unlike that, I don't have a short summary written up because I thought similar to the novels, it might be good to kind of go through this a bit beat by beat. But um, a good thing to start off is basically this follows uh, Master Skier, uh, yes. who we will spend a lot of time talking about, I'm sure. Uh, and... His uh, Padawan, um, Keeve Trennis, or Padawan for a while, at least a <laughs> little bit. Yeah, not to give too much away, but yeah, two more fantastic characters. We uh, obviously just talked about uh, Master Skier a bunch. It was great to see some of his teaching style in full effect here. Um, and um, yeah, and then we learn a lot about um, Keeve and um Immediately, I've been wanting to talk about this. So I'll just say it now. Uh, maybe the coolest lightsaber I've ever seen. It's so it's it's a when we first see it, it's a double bladed lightsaber green, but it's like yeah. slate gray with like gold filigree. But it looks like really ergonomic and like easy to hold. Like you just yeah. want to hold that. Yeah, it's that. an incredible design. It, it looks more like a bow staff. Yeah. Right. It looks more like a bow staff than like Darth Maul's because the actual hilt is the same width or diameter as the blade, right? Like it just feels like it's almost like one long 
it's very it's very yeah. long it looks like well weighted and yeah it looks a little bit bigger and then when you see it later in the episode she's taken it apart into two pieces yeah. and put into a leather holster that's like a bandolero across her chest so it's like yeah. it's just like right there in front of her and it's i don't i mean and then she didn't end up using it single bladed when we saw her fighting but um it was uh that was pretty pretty great I mean, this kind of brings me to why I'm so glad they're doing a comic series to go along with the books, because I love reading, but I'm not super visual as a reader. Like, I don't tend to visualize what I'm reading. I get it. Like, I understand it, but I don't tend to I don't close my eyes and see what's being described to me. That's my issue. Um, but right. that's why I love the comics. Right. So I've always and been when, a comic when you're talking about a company. When we're talking yeah. about a company like Lucasfilm, it's some of the most brilliant visual artists in the world yeah it's right. like why not accompany these novels with you know a gallery of, of of wonderful art and the comics are a great medium to do that with and and this series especially is is really exercising that muscle uh for the brand in in actually visualizing the high republic and i feel like i the planet they're on Shuriden and this the jedi trial that uh keev is is on with 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 um skier and it, it's it's to have it visualized and at the ending of this comic visualized and starlight beacon and what's happening there visualized is so cool while you're reading the novel, like light of the Jedi or while you're reading a test of courage. It's, I just hope it would be cool to have like almost like a three string of this where it's like, I know, you know, uh, the world isn't in the best place for, you know, publishing right now, print media and, and, and sending stuff out to people like physical stuff, you know, and creating more physical, right. you know, materials. But um, nonetheless, it's like, it would be nice to have a three string high Republic series where it's like, you know, lots of stories at once, lots of visualizations, lots of art of the things we're reading about in the books at the same time. Cause it's, there's a great foundation. And then once you, once you have a character in your mind from the books and then it's visualized yeah. in the comic, it's, it's so cool. Like master venter, Fentar, yeah. the Grandmaster yes. of the Jedi Council. I'm so Council. glad we got to see him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Very cool well, to see him. And like, so we talked about this last week. Like Lena So, right? The Chancellor, the Supreme Chancellor of Galactic Republic, and we talked yeah. about her like wolf type animals that she lion. walks around with, yeah. lion type animals. They're like so direwolves, but they're dire lions. They're massive. Right. And I had a, a picture in my mind, basically. And then to see them in the comic yeah. was awesome. And now every time, next time I read about it or I see her in another another book, it's just going to pop in my head exactly what she looks like and exactly what those things look like. Yeah, it was almost like in this comic, it was, I think I only saw the red one. I was looking for like yeah. the gold one, but I think the other one was obscured. But the red one almost looked like a Japanese dragon, like one of those like things, but like with six eyes. Yeah. Awesome. Like I, I think, you know, Grant weird. absolutely a hundred percent like visual companions. Like if they published yeah. them, they would sell them. Um, but for this first run, I really love that they gave us so much like in addition to this comic, which we'll talk more about, like all this concept art ahead of time that it was genius. I, I think they did a great job. I have this that same infographic that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's Adam's background right now, but I have it opened up here just to sort of uh, refer to and get names right and be able to see these characters. Yeah, it's just it's just great. They've done a good yeah. job making all I mean, this new published era um, very visual. Great. I guarantee you. Well, I don't like to guarantee anything, but I would I would absolutely be not be surprised if they put out a art of the High Republic book. Yeah, because they put an art of 
Jedi Fallen Order out. They've put an art of the Mandalorian just came out, right? They love those art of books. Those things pay for themselves, right? So I'm guessing we'll get a, an art of the High Republic book. Or maybe, like you said, it would be great to get like the, um, the, the, um, like you said, the visual dictionary. Like maybe we get a visual yeah. dictionary of the of the higher public. Something would be great. Yeah, one of those visual encyclopedias. They could actually do phase one art uh, this Christmas because I think it's just going to go like a little bit into next year, and then like next Christmas do phase two art and to have that companionship. Yeah, I think they should they should do it up front, right? Like yeah. release it before the phase comes out so you can see some of these. Um, and these I mean, I don't. If if so, if, if Black Series action figures were released of these characters, do you uh, think they would be of such that. notoriety that those? Do you think would they would be of such notoriety that they would actually sell? Like they'd be commercially viable? Because I, I think, think they would both they help would each be. Other. I think they would be incredible. Yeah. I think people would be like people would just happenstance, you know, happen upon them and be like, "What is this awesome is this looking custom Jedi? looking yeah. Jedi?" Yeah. That I yeah, I have no idea. What yeah, it is. you walk through Target and you look at this double bladed like yeah. lightsaber. <laughs> exactly. It's like almost perfect for that that I, right. I mean, and also not to be cynical, but you could release a black series of like like Luke's ghost, and it's just a blank piece <laughs> of cardboard. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah. And you're going to sell out on it, right? Because you can make a Black Series of anything, and collectors yeah. are going to get it. So great. You're right. Like, why not do it with the higher public stuff? Because that will help the kids and, to be frank, the 40 year olds walking past this to get, like, oh, I don't know what that is. Let me get into that, right? That looks super interesting right. to me. And, like, the, X, the X Wings, like, tried and true, it's tested as a toy. People love the design and forever will love the design. I mean, it's obviously come from the brain of, of Ralph McQuarrie and or the, uh, the other uh, the artists before him um, who, who kind of iterated on it. Um, but uh, it's, it's let's see what a vector does in the toy market. Right. Like, yeah. the vector, do kids love the long beam? Do like, is it a cool Lego yeah. set? Like, let's try it out. Like, who, I bet people will love The sheer diversity we've seen in just the first three, yeah. first three or four of the High Republic is you make toys of this. You put this in the Star Wars aisle, and every kid will be able to walk down that aisle and say, oh, that looks like me. Like, I, like, oh, yeah. look, there's a Jedi that looks right. like me, right? Like, that's amazing. Right. I think literally, like, no less than 50% of the characters have been female in mm -hmm. the series which is like this is what life actually looks like because it's probably 50 50 in the galaxy so yeah we're gonna have just as many female characters out there um in the mix yeah and, if i was to collect yeah. black series at this point i would probably collect avar yeah Chris, vanestra row you know keep trennis yeah. this comic uh skier and then, and then obviously loading greatstorm yeah. i would collect loading right yeah i would definitely collect some loading greatstorm stuff yeah, yeah and that, i would and that, yeah Sorry, say I uh, go for it. Adam. No, I was just gonna say I would 100% when I get back into the world again and start going to Target if they do the Black Series because you know me, like I I can't collect all the Black Series. I want to, but it's gonna bankrupt me. So it's easier for me to be like I just I'm do click. troopers. I just right. Do troopers. I just do bounty hunters, right? But then I would open it up <laughs> to be like, now I'm gonna collect just yeah. to the old, the High Republic, right? Like that. Just awesome. everything they do with the High Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I would start. I would start. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a good initiative. Yeah, but I mean, so they would feed into each other. And um, I I was thinking those are people I would pick. like definitely Avar Chris. I would, you yeah. know, I, I would yeah, probably yeah, be yeah. my first one. But um, <laughs> but I think if you hadn't read the story, if you put a skier figure out there, 
people would be like or like an estala maru estala maru or a skier figure yeah is that a one arm trendotion with a lightsaber (laughs) yeah you'd be like a i need that b i need to know what his entire deal is yeah and then i'm gonna buy oppo rancis yeah. <laughs> and you could sell the comics. You could put the comic. You could put High Republic number one with the figure. You could package them together. Yeah, uh, or download code. Uh, like, just give them a download code. Yeah, yeah. As a kid, okay. that would be an incredible gift. Okay. Dude, okay. to, to package figurines with with comic books is genius. That is great. Hire. We happy to be your marketing. Yeah. Well, a skier figure. I mean, this yeah. comic. It's like with, first of all, you get like an issue Actually, number. This comic could go with a lot of these characters. Honestly, you could put, yeah. like everyone in this comic could be with action movie set. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the the infographic, and it looks like this first um, phase is going to focus on Keevan Skier, obviously, um, Estella Maru, who we saw in this one, and then the twins, right, uh, Tarek and Serret. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see them, but um, yeah, I'm hoping to see this whole main cast in comic book form at some point. Anyways, things happened in this comic that we read. <laughs> Did they? Um, it was awesome. So we it's like we, a Jedi trial around Sheridan, and there's those yeah. insect creatures. This is um, the first time we've ever seen a Jedi taking the trials in anything. Because hmm. we always well, I mean, hear about the. Like, I am ready for trials. trials. Yeah, it, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. Not in, no, not, no, no. In canon. some of the canon novels, in the canon novels, there's trials. Isn't I'm talking about the trials, though. Capital. Yeah, like you know, like I am ready for the trials. You know? this, you I feel like are... there's a lot of honorifics. They just sort of like, I guess, in the war they mentioned in Clone Wars, like there was a lot of Padawans that were elevated out of need, and it was just like you've passed your trial, just go, you know. And I, we've seen a lot of that. Which but, what. Which is what we're interested in the first time we see Obi-Wan in right in Force Awakens. Like that's not his actual trial, but defeating a Sith. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of gets yeah. you to jump ahead. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You when you you kill Darth Maul, kind of mostly. Yeah. You don't need uh, to climb that's a spider. Pretty, yeah. For the first time. Yeah. And then the second. That's a yeah. feat. Yeah. Yeah. You you went against the first Sith in a thousand years. Like your your jerseys is in the rafters after that. Um, but what's interesting about it is in this comic, it seems But then to, it, but then he lived. I know he didn't actually kill him, but he eventually did. So it all—it's all good, right? For all intents and purposes, he won the day. All right, there is yeah. closure. There is closure. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but what's interesting in this comic, it seems to suggest that the trials are somewhat—I don't want to say arbitrary—but they're set up by the master, right? Like I don't think this trial that yeah, we've yeah, seen yeah. is the trial that every Jedi goes by the master. Yeah. Like the master determines what. His or her or their uh, Padawan needs to, to to show their abilities, right? To show their progression in the Force. Yeah, which is a relatively new concept. I always, I mean, in the beginning when they talked about like, or in the prequels when you know yeah. Obi Wan's like, I am ready for the trials. Like, I kind of assumed there was one specific Jedi temple they went to with like an obstacle course, etc. And like, <laughs> you know, in a council of you know, you know, masters, just a that giant over- game of dodgeball. Yeah. But no, <laughs> yeah. it, but I you know what you mean. Like, I feel like similarly, I feel like in the old canon there was kind of like a set, tri- the, like the trials were a set thing. You know, it's yeah. like the. But now it's sort of arbitrary. Yeah. Your yeah. your man makes sense. Your master. Yeah, I always like, thought they were like I always thought it was a room with like stone pillars that you had to jump on and all that sort of stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. But I like this like Indiana Jones ish. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. like some Indiana Jones thing where like the master watches from you know the, yeah. the finish line. But this seems truer to what we're seeing about the force is that everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. So it makes sense that the person who's been training them actually. So here's the thing. This not that going through your Ph.D. is the same thing as a Jedi trial. <laughs> I mean, not but like, like for, so real quick, I will try to bore anyone. But to get to, to my progression to get my doctorate was I had to develop my own reading list. Um. Of of things that I had that my area of expertise, and then that that was that was approved by the chair of my committee, and then what I did was read all that stuff, and then I sat in front of them for two hours, and they just questioned me, and so I just right. had to answer questions, right? And so my friends went through a very different quote unquote trial than I went through, but it was very tailored to what I wanted to be a master quote unquote in. Right. And so this feels closer to that, that like my Jedi master, the chair of my committee, determined what my weaknesses are and where I needed to demonstrate my ability. Right. All right. So let's take that into this story here. Why why was it so important for her to be able to climb rickety, tall, (laughs) narrow poles and retrieve the train? Damn it. I was so hoping you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> we don't know much about these characters, That's right? True. Like it, this, you know, they look really rickety and one even broke. So it, it did look relatively hard for a sort of being with superhuman abilities. I can sort of jump a thousand miles in the air um, and live. But uh, it, it was I, a trial and it got interrupted. Part of me wonders if that's the thing. It got interrupted, right? And part of me wonders if that's like... Um, if part of the trial was actually him knowing that these these things were around, these fairies or yeah. whatever were were around, and part of her needed to focus, right? And maybe the trial was not climbing up this spire, but remaining focused on the task, right? And so, I, I mean, wonder if, yeah. if he knew that was going to happen. That's a very different trial. <laughs> well, they, but it felt like it's not wrong. Like it, it might right. that might be the case because the thing flies up and says. Um, like basically this is my city do you see it isn't it breathtaking like yeah. it seems to suggest that they're not there just because of the crisis they're there because they're just flying around their city and constantly bugging people like they're annoying literally bugging kids. people yeah 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 so there are these uh two uh ultimately two characters uh they are Lekaki, who comes on later and uh conry oh no yeah conry uh, with two eyes Henry. and Connery is the one that's mostly buzzing around her head <laughs> being annoying um, as she's trying to do these really difficult uh, feats of strength. And um, and they're interrupted by this massive migration of space bees uh, that are very large bees, um, yeah. almost the size of whales. And um, they yeah, they interrupt the trial and threaten the home of Connery and Lakaki. Uh, Lakaki dies actually, which is an odd, dark twist of fate there, which is kind of sad. Um, but she saves most of the the city of these small buzzing creatures, um, like Connery. Um, and so yeah, so there she was forced to make a decision. If she, you could hear her, see her inner monologue, and she was like, "I could just finish the trial right now. Like it's just right there." I should, I think she thinks she should finish the trial. Like she thinks the test is that like, she shouldn't lose her focus and just do the trial. Right. Right. Um, but she can't help herself. She needs to save human life. It's more important. And spoilers, she passes the trial. Yeah. 
Well, and I love to the point where she's in front of Avar Chris, not knowing that she passed the trial, right? Thinking she's about to be reprimanded. Yeah. Skier yeah. was That's weird. Skier like gave her the silent treatment after the thing. And she just assumed the worst. And didn't Skier seem a little mad about the whole situation? I guess he was giving a guilt trip about her um, sacrificing the vector, like their only way off the planet. Yeah. But me, well, a couple of I things. Is that just me? Did he look mad to no, you? No, I did too. I had trouble reading mm. him. Skier's a trend ocean. Right. <laughs> right. So, so, so I think there's a part of that going on. And then as we learned in the last page, he's got other stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. might be part of it too. So... Yeah, I mean, he might have just been mad about being like summoned so quickly or this whole thing. But uh, the whole, um, you know, dedication, maybe he didn't want to interrupt what he was doing for, you know, a ceremony. Um, I don't know. Maybe that had something to do with it. But then, yeah, immediately after. And actually, I think I made a mistake in the um, when I was talking about the book. I, I confused it with the book. I thought it happened there. But it happens in this comic that Skier has that jolt yeah. uh, through him, this vision uh, this dark vision that he's terrified of and very much the same way that Elzar man is um, in light of the Jedi, um, which is fascinating. Yeah. It's also interesting too, because you know, this connects to something we were talking about um, in the last book, actually in both books, Skier suffers a huge loss in, uh, yeah. In the light of the Jedi, right? He is yeah. actively the Battle of Kerr. To, yeah, the Battle yeah. of Kerr. Battle He's of Kerr. connected to. Kerr why I can't think of the the character's name? Um, um to, uh, I've got it right here. Joramali or Joramali? Yeah, Joramali. Right, because she's doing the thing where she's connecting all Jedi, and Skier's close to her to begin with. Yeah, and then he senses her die. Die. Right. So I don't know how much of this is. Does he have it's unclear whether he's having a vision because Joramali was um, Joramali was going to was being groomed to be like the the, The the, leader, the the protector of Starlight Beacon, Beacon, like the the head of the beacon. That's a devastating loss for the Jedi. And and a devastating personal loss for Skier. And we're talking about in the last book about personal connection and the path towards the dark side about loss yeah. so i don't know if yep. skier is having a vision or if he's dealing with repercussions of right. this loss right i don't right. we don't know yet yeah because yeah. he is dealing with all the stuff emory's going through you know i mean he's he must be feeling lost i can tell by this infograph it has a dotted line which means personal connection between joramali and skier um but yeah i mean yeah he's going through that so maybe that that's some of it it's I don't know how he's actually going through the trials at all at this point. Um, yeah, he must be he must be devastated. Um, but then you know we it's get probably hard, it's probably hard to be in on Starlight, right? Reminding without Jorah, uh, yeah, yeah, without her. Um, we also get in this comic. Um, we we get to see the moment that um, Avar Chris um, has been given. Is it Marshall of the? Of the the beacon, I forget what the honorific is. That they, they that sounds right. That's yeah. Uh, right. We want you to be the marshal of, and, and it was funny because uh, marshal of the station. Yeah, right. And so we see Yoda station. and, and Vitar in there, um, to yeah. you know, two senior council members there to tell her. And at first they're like, "You've done a great job," and she's like, "I get it. You want me on the council? I don't know." Blah, blah, blah. Like, and they're like, "No, we're we're not talking about that." And she's there's a moment she's like, "Uh." 
I'm a jerk. Like, look, you know, my bad. And then um, they give her, they offer this marshalship, which is a huge thing. And it changes the trajectory of her life and a lot of other lives. I think she wanted that counselship because then she could be closer to Elzar Mann. Um, yeah. Because we know Elzar Mann's going back to the core. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a big blow to Avar, Chris, um, and a really, really cool character development there. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think love, that, love all the Estella Maru we got in this comic, honestly. Like, I, I know yeah. we didn't really talk about it, but I just love that character. It's actually, yeah, like that is the character that I think I'm most fascinated by and I just want to know more about and see more in this series. And so I, I, I'm excited to see more uh, Estella Maru going forward. Totally. Yeah. Estella Maru has seemed to be a, like, I mean, she was the engine that was running starlight beacon, which is a ton of information coursing through it. And it was saw, it was really cool that, um, he was right at the the center of that. Um, and cool to see that the inner workings. And so he's the real administrator. And then, you know, it seems like Avar would be the, I don't know, the executive, the principal, the marshal, right. Uh, the, the leadership there. So, um, yeah, uh, this is going to be a great, this is already my favorite comic. Um, I, I love enjoying um, all the comics mostly. And um, the, uh, <laughs> sorry, I wanted to get a bounty hunters dig in there, but I, I am enjoying reading it. Um, uh, yeah, no, this is instantly my favorite though, just because yeah. we're getting these visual depictions and uh, it's written so well. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I love the, there's Avar Chris development in this comic out of nowhere. And I loved being able to see more from her and like her, the subtleties of her character. Yeah. Um, so, and then we have a short story, uh, that we read as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, starlight part one, go together by Charles Sewell. Uh, it's actually technically a prequel to light of the Jedi. It takes place before the events of light of the Jedi. It's real short. It's uh, like three pages long. Uh, it follows, uh, Joss, uh, uh, Art, uh, Adren and Pika, uh, his wife, who are both uh, contractors and mechanics on Starlight Beacon, who are basically about to leave for vacation. <laughs> and then right. uh, Pika finds that there's something going wrong on on Starlight Station. There's some type of power system failure or what have you. Um, and it kind of just follows these characters trying to solve that that little bug that might blow up the entire starlight beacon. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, Oh, by the way, this whole thing, there's almost a, you know, mechanical error that destroyed this whole masterpiece station. Oops. Yeah. That's kind of it, right? Like it's just, they, they, um, they kind of discover that, uh, they're not sure why it happened, but we kind of get a hint that there was sabotage possibly happening underneath. And it's, you know, it's, a few pages long and we can talk about it. There's a couple things in there that I liked, but at the end of the day, I'm just so excited that they're bringing back the short stories into insider. Like the, yeah. I, I lived on those for a while. Like they're just these little tiny things that aren't going to get their own book, aren't going to get their own chapter. And the plan going forward, based on what I heard from the, from kind of the launch event for the high Republic from a few weeks ago is that uh, Charles Sewell is going to tell this story over a few chapters. And then after that, you're going to get a rotating 
list of authors who are going to tell standalone stories of of people who just live and work on Starlight Beacon. So we're just going to get this kind of they're just going to fill in this. I, I have thought cast. they said it was alternating authors where it's next next month is just you know Ireland. Yeah, that might be. I, I that would be oh. awesome. I hope so. No, I think it's Claudia Gray next month. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, I hope That'll so. That's, yeah, yeah. But the overarching yeah. idea is right to just kind of paint this story of what is going on in Starlight Beacon. That's not all of these giant Jedi characters, right? Like, what? How does it run? How does it operate? What are people's lives like on the Beacon? Yeah, it was a really cute story between Joss and Pika. Like, yeah, they had a really fun, playful relationship, and um. It was a really fun story. It was a fun little ride. I enjoyed it. And we get a fun little moment with Buriaga Agaberry. <laughs> yeah, of course. Where, uh, <laughs> where like he uses his ability to read emotions to realize that these two people are very stressed and trying to go somewhere important, but are also trying to be very polite to very important people. And Buriaga Agaberry just suggests that, you know, maybe they should be allowed to leave and do their work. Right. Yeah. Very tactful. The ever tactful Buriaga. Yeah. The the most endearing character in the High Republic yeah. era. Yeah. Yeah, they did a great job with that character because it's totally different from Chewbacca, but no less lovable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Good run. Um, this was, yeah, fun story. Definitely check out the insider stories. Well, one question I had for you guys. Do we know, are they going to rotate the authors of the comic book as well? I don't think so. No, I think it's Kevin Scott. Scott. It's Kevin for Scott. This yeah. And then Daniel Jose Alder is doing the, um, was it IGN? No. Yeah, the the um, yeah. the other comic. The, the High comic. Republic oh, wait, wait, wait. IDW. IDW. IDW, yeah. yeah. Um, comic. So yeah, the junior comic. That'll be cool too. I'm actually, yeah. I'd actually to read that. I think that's starting out in February. And that's the Yoda-focused one. Oh, right, right. Cool. And that's probably uh, Buckets of Blood, isn't that maybe? Yes. Buckets of Blood. <laughs> yes. Sweet. Can't wait to meet Bug of the Blood. Um, all right. Awesome. Hey, we are uh, neck deep in the higher public now. This is really fun. Um, it's it's great to be here and uh, a great, great space to put your mind in. Um, pun absolutely intended. Um, so, yeah, um, we'll do it again next week. Next week, we will catch up on the comics. We have a bunch uh, to read the other comics. Um, and that will be great. And I'm sure a ton of news and maybe a pillar and, you know, some other stuff. So, uh you know, looking forward to talking to you again next week. Um, thanks very much, and may the force be with you, always. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the force will be with you, always. <laughs>